Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Hospitality chiefs meet the government on reopening plans with paper indoor dining passes on the menu for 1.8 million people. Boris Johnson to ease most virus restrictions for England on July 19th, despite a surge in Delta variant cases there. In these circumstances, we must take a careful and a balanced decision. And there's only one reason why we can contemplate going ahead to step four, and that's because of the continuing effectiveness of the vaccine rollout. While here, pharmacies start giving the gift of the jab to younger people with huge demand reported. We're all delighted now. Maybe we can go on holidays or something. I'm just looking forward to being inside a restaurant or a pub and sitting down and having a less level of anxiety. We'll discuss all the big issues of the day. Do get in touch on Twitter on our hashtag TonightVMTV. Joined first by Kira Phelan, political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mirror, and indoor dining could be on the cards with a vaccine pass system. What do we know about that tonight, Kira? Hi, Claire. Yes. So, as you mentioned, the hospitality um, industry chiefs were meeting meeting with government officials today after um, some public outrage last week after it emerged at Neffet had proposed to the government that only fully vaccinated people or those who had recovered from COVID-19 infection in the last nine months may be permitted indoors. So what had emerged today was that a proposal put on the table could see 1.8 million people, Irish people being permitted to dine indoors. And instead of maybe the idea of a digital vaccine cert, the possibility is now that these people who would be fully vaccinated or recover from COVID-19 would receive a letter, a piece of paper essentially, that would be used to permit them in for indoor dining. Now, there has, it seems to be a bit of a split between um, who wants what, um, will it work? Um, it seems that the, the use of a digital cert won't be able to be put in place for a long time. It also appears that antigen test testing is still on the table, but from sources who were at the meeting say that uh, it, would ex- it was expressed that this would be difficult to put in place, especially in rural areas. So they have also said that this piece of paper actually could be given to these 1.8 million people within 10 days. So it's up now, up to now, basically, the hospitality chiefs have been told to go back and speak to their, their members and then to regroup 
and meet the government officials on Thursday as well with a proposal and a possibility of a plan to get indoor dining reopened again, but still no definite date on when it will resume. And Kira, the Taoiseach also saying today that Ireland is on track for the EU travel cert come July 19th. Yeah, there was mixed reports um, over the weekend in, in some of the Sunday papers that ministers were privately concerned that the system actually wouldn't be up in place. And as we know already, Ireland is an outlier um, and we're the only EU member state that hasn't signed up to this system yet. And there was a little bit of concern o- over whether this was going to be up and running. Um, we still don't know as citizens how it's going to run. We haven't heard anything about it or how we would be able to access it. But Taoiseach Micheál Martin shooting down those um, suggestions that it wouldn't be up and running today and said that we are on track and that they have committed to this date. So signalling that you know people would be able to avail of the service on July 19th. However, um, I understand it that the government obviously would still be saying that you should avoid and are advising against non-essential travel. However, it does open the pathway now for people, you know, who may want to travel back home to see families in other EU states. Um, And that would mean that they would have this digital cert that would show their vaccination status if they had received a negative PCR test or if they had recovered from COVID-19. Kira, big announcement, of course, from the UK today, and that was Boris Johnson announcing the almost complete unlocking of COVID restrictions by July 19th. Will this play into government thinking at all here? Can't see that happening. I mean, what Boris Johnson announced today regarding, you know, the removal of the legislation, face masks, social distancing, um, which means that, you know, crowds can go back to stadiums and games as normal. I really can't see that playing in any factor into um, the Irish government's move movement about easing any further restrictions, given that they've really come out and said that they'll actually watch what happens with the Delta variant in the UK in, in the coming weeks. And now Boris Johnson said today, you know, that they are expecting in July that up to 50,000 cases per day um, this, that could happen. So how it's going to skew what the government, how they, are the Irish government progress here with the easing of restrictions given it's going to be so like completely polarising and different in comparison to what the UK are doing. I think the Irish government will be um, taking a far more cautious approach and we're a long way away from that, from what I'm hearing. OK, Kira Phelan, political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mirror. Thank you for joining us with that update tonight. Well, as you've heard, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced a major easing of pandemic controls and restrictions in England, including the lifting of face masks and social distancing rules from July 19th. Here's what he had to say earlier. We're seeing cases rise fairly rapidly. There could be 50,000 cases detected per day by the 19th. And again, as we predicted, we're seeing rising hospital admissions, and we must reconcile ourselves, sadly, to more deaths from COVID. In these circumstances, we must take a careful and a balanced decision. And there's only one reason why we can contemplate going ahead to step four, and that's because of the continuing effectiveness of the vaccine rollout. And I'm joined now by Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Immunology at Trinity College Dublin. And listening to that, Kingston Mills, what's your reaction? No mandatory masks, no social distancing, a return to work, no more remote or working from home. Uh, It's all change over there. 
Yeah, good evening, Claire. I'm very surprised by that announcement. I think they seem to be throwing caution to the wind in the UK. Um, 24,000 cases today. And, um, you know, what's more worrying is that a significant number of people who are ending up with COVID have been vaccinated. Over 4,000 from 30 or 40,000 in the last week have been people who were vaccinated and a significant number of those had two doses of the vaccine. And of course, the UK are relying heavily on the AstraZeneca vaccine, which as we know is not um, as effective against the Delta variant as the mRNA vaccine. So I would be worried about what's going to happen in the UK in the next weeks and months. Um, here, we're expected to announce 50% of all adults fully vaccinated by tomorrow. In terms of how we're doing on our vaccine cover and protection, especially against that Delta variant, where do you think we stand? I mean, we've, we've made very good progress. You know, getting 50% of all adults um, vaccinated will be a great achievement so far. I mean, obviously, we need to get much higher than that if we're going to get anywhere near herd immunity. And we need to also vaccinate children if we're going to get herd immunity. Um, I think the biggest concern that I have um, is, again, that the, the, the Delta variant being more transmissible and more difficult for the vaccines to care of. The mRNA vaccines are highly effective, especially with two doses. One dose is, is not. I think the news that um, the government may be able to purchase a million doses from Romania and possibly others from other countries is, is fantastic news. It's an opportunity now to give every person, every adult in the country, at least one dose of an mRNA vaccine. And that's the, that is what we absolutely have to do if we're going to stop the spread of the Delta variant. OK, and we know that decisions are now being made about indoor dining and drinking and hospitality settings. Uh, the industry are pushing it for it to happen July 19th. Do you think there's a safe way for this to happen, the idea around people being uh, vaccinated, as Neffet have insisted? Do you think that will provide uh, safety? Um, I think everybody wants to get back to to dining and, and going to the to the cafes and bars. I mean, that's part of everyday life. And I think we all want to get back to some sort of normality again. I think we have to do it safely. I think the idea of, uh, um, you know, people who have been fully vaccinated or recovered from COVID-19 um, is, a, is a good um, way of allowing at least a significant proportion of the population to um, avail of those activities. Um, adding to that um, the possibility of having a negative antigen test, um, which is linked with a, a digital cert. I'm disappointed to hear about the fact that it might be a paper uh, version. I mean, it seems like backward technology. I mean, we should be moving with the times and utilising the the digital cert that is going to come in place, you know, hopefully by the 19th of July uh, for travel. So I don't see why they couldn't interface with that and right. use it for, for, for hospitality as well. But certainly, um, you know, antigen testing, I think, might be an additional um, measure that could be uh, considered. I think antigen testing probably has a greater place to play in, in, in larger activities like sporting events and large cultural events. And we've seen the benefits of that in a number of test examples already. We don't know if antigen testing, we presume that it's actually not really on the table right now, even though we know that the hospitality sector was looking for it. Would you say it could be a safe plan to introduce antigen testing as one of the options for indoor dining? 
and you never can with any certainty say something is safe because the trouble with antigen testing is that, you know, it's not 100% effective at picking up of every case. I mean, the big advantage of antigen testing when used in a situation where there's no testing, such as going to a, to a sporting event, which would otherwise take place, you're going to pick up potentially people who are highly infectious and could transmit it to others. And that's the huge advantage of, of antigen testing. To say someone is safe because they have a negative antigen test is a little bit different. And that would be one concern that I would have that people might think because they have a negative test that they can go to the pub, but they can do other things as well, um, which normally they wouldn't do if they were distancing, for example. So it is okay. it, there is going to be a very important to have a, a very important uh, aspect of this will be the, the communication of the of what is um, how these are properly used sure. and and how they would be administered. I mean, in Denmark, which is probably leading the world on this, they have a. Um, a, a vaccine cert, which is linked with an antigen test, and they they provide free antigen tests, okay. and people can go and get an antigen test, um, and and then go to a bar or, or a pub. But of course, here it's unlikely that it's going to be free, and you'll have to pay for it or have to be organised somehow. Okay. So those are the logistic okay. issues that have to be overcome before it could be introduced. Okay. Well, with me now are Fine Gael TD, Alan Farrell, and People Before Profits, Paul Murphy, and I want to come to you first, Alan Farrell, and this idea that it's emerging this evening, this proposal that you get a letter in the post to say you're double jabbed, you can go and dine now or drink indoors. Is it workable? Is it something that's actually realistic? Is this, is this actually happening the first when I've... we're talking about a digital COVID cert being issued around the same time for people to travel abroad? It's the first I've heard of it, Claire. Uh, up to date, it had been discussed uh, that given all of the uh, the learnings that have been made in terms of the development of the digital certificate in Ireland for international travel, that that information would then be transferred across into the production of, of the proposal by government. Uh, so the first I've heard of it um, being a paper-based system is, is, is this evening. Um, so I'm somewhat, well, I think I would agree with what Kira had to say earlier, that, that it is somewhat difficult to imagine um, you know, something like this being being rolled out to 1.8 million people over the course of the next uh, two weeks or so. Um, I foresee it being problematic. I foresee copies being lost. I foresee, you know, uh, being damaged by weather or spilled coffee or something. So there is a lot of problems with such a proposal, in my opinion. And, and as it's just been put to me, I, I can't speak with authority on it. OK, you don't think it's going to work? Personally, I think it will be very difficult, yes. And... I mean, given the fact that other countries have introduced this, you know, requirement to be vaccinated and they've done it in several countries around Europe, but it's done with a QR code or yes. with digital means. So the digital... Is there not the digital expertise to be able to roll that out in, in, in the couple of weeks we have there now are ahead of number, July 19th? There's a number of government departments working on this, on the digital green certificate, which is the, the EU Commission's proposal in regard to international travel. I, I cannot uh, for a moment believe that the information that they've gathered over the last number of months that they've been working on this could not be transposed into a COVID certificate for the purposes of indoor dining um, and or pub going, cafe going, uh, cinema going and whatever else. Um, so for me, it, it seems counterintuitive to go to paper when it's relatively simple. We already have an app that the HSE has produced for the purposes of tracking COVID-19. And while it might have taken a little bit of a, a backseat in terms of where we are in the pandemic, I certainly would have foreseen something like that being developed 
over a relatively quick period of time for the purposes of this. So it, it is something, of course, that is on the table. It is a discussion that is ongoing. And in terms of the debate today with the hospitality yeah. sector, I mean, going in with an open page, an open book is, is a very good way of doing okay. so. Uh, Paul Murphy, are you equally baffled by this decision around uh, paper certs being issued to people in order for them to be able to avail of indoor dining and drinking? Y yes, I mean, just immediately on the surface of it, obviously it would immediately present a problem of being very easily photocopied and presumably the person on the door wouldn't know whether it's an accurate one relating to the person and so on. You could take screenshots um, with QR codes and there's other means digitally to be able it, to exactly. uh, and, and ensure you can get into a venue without but, being vaccinated. But, but I think it gets to a more fundamental point, uh, which was the topic of quite a lot of discussion last week in relation to the basic element of discrimination. The idea that in particular in a context when lots of people haven't been offered a vaccine, when hospitality workers are younger than the general population, so are less likely to have been offered a vaccine, the idea that they are able to serve people, often in low-paid jobs, um, but they're not able to go in and visit somewhere, I think there is something quite What's wrong the alternative, about that. though? Don't open at all? Well, I think right now we can see what's happening in Britain. Um, in Britain, they are significantly more advanced than us in terms of the vaccination uh, rollout. But Delta is running absolutely wild, not just in terms of cases, but it's also filtering through in terms of increases in, hosp in hospitalisation right now. So, yeah, personally, looking at the data that we have from NEFIT, we, we know now we've a reproduction rate of 1.3 as it stands without indoor hospitality opening. I don't see how it would be safe to reopen indoor hospitality in two weeks' time. Like, at the moment, we're heading people, for... Even with people vaccinated? E even with people vaccinated for the reasons that have been given. I mean, people can still transmit, people can still get... Obviously, the, the risks are a lot, lot lower. But we're at a reproduction rate of 1.3. The cases are growing. Hospita uh, hospitalisation is going to grow. And it, it one follows the other. I mean, you look at the data from the North, for example, when they opened indoor hospitality... Two weeks later, cases begin to rise really significantly. And we cannot allow public oh, health would policy be to be driven. Here if we have a vaccinated cohort in but, but, an indoor but in, dining in, and in, in Britain, you, have, you do have quite well-advanced vaccination programmes. But the, the problem has been made again and again and again of allowing public health policy to be dictated okay. by private lobbying interests. And while we should have all the sympathy in the world for you know those owners of restaurants and pubs and so on that are affected, we shouldn't put our reopening in danger people's lives in danger, the danger of spread of long COVID. Uh, are, we in, are we in danger of doing that, do you think, Alan Farrell, with the, the, the threat of the Delta variant and all that we're hearing about it? Do you think that any moves to reopen in any capacity could put, could put you know, lives at risk or case numbers up significantly? Well, certainly, I mean, look, we're, in, we're still in the midst of a pandemic and, and what has been shown by studies in the UK predominantly in relation to Delta is that it's much more transmissible. But we don't actually know yet if it is more um, damaging to public health in terms of the, the numbers of people that are being hospitalised and or death rates. So those are figures that we're going to have to assess by observing in particular what's going on in Scotland 
Um, but, you know, so as of last week, it was over 70% of cases in Ireland presenting mm. uh, where the Delta variant, and it should be said that it was suggested today that there's far more people in Ireland presenting for testing than there were last week. So it's very clear yeah. that, that we do have a, a significant exposure, as Paul has mentioned, your number has increased to 1.3. So to answer your question, I, I would be concerned, and I was one of the people who initially responded to Neffet's uh, advices to Cabinet on Monday of last week, um, with disgust, if I'm quite honest. Yeah, with that's you. what I was going and, to say to did, you. You were saying I, it was unwork, unworkable, yeah, unfair absolutely. on the industry. Well, and there was I, no planning I, well about actually, it. what I was referring to when I was talking about unworkable was was the certification that we already discussed, um, because you have to produce it within three weeks at that particular time last last Monday. So, and I still think that it is difficult to produce. But you know, if the Taoiseach has said that we will be ready um, to make a decision on the seventeenth. Um, with uh, some form of COVID uh, pass available, well, I, I'm not going to doubt him. As I've mentioned already, Claire, there's multiple departments working on this from Foreign Affairs, Transport, the Department of the Taoiseach itself, as, as well as uh, the HSE and the Department okay. of Health. Um, Kingston Mills, I want to bring you back in here. Under living with COVID as distinct from a zero COVID policy, do you think the government here needs to say in stark terms what we are content to live with in terms of hospitalisations, in terms of case numbers, so people have a clear picture of where we're at? If we are to live with this and the variants that are going to come down the line, it's not just going to be Delta, it'll go far beyond that, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. It'll, so, you know, there, there's undoubtedly um, there are going to be further Delta uh, variants. In fact, there's already a, a new version of Delta called Delta Plus, which has a mutation which is going to even make it more difficult for the vaccines to protect against. So this is for sure, this is going to happen. I suppose the good news um, is that the vaccine manufacturers are already working hard to create new versions of the vaccines that will be used as booster doses. So once everybody is vaccinated, we'll start again and we'll boost everything everybody with a vaccine that's designed particularly to take care of the, the variants. But we've got a, a, a significant number of months to go between now and then. And as Paul said, long COVID is a, is a big issue. So even if the vaccines prevent um, severe disease and hospitalizations, um, they can still allow people to get infected. Some people that, uh, may get infected that have been vaccinated and they can still transmit the virus and they could still suffer from long COVID. So the, 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 this is a, a very difficult virus to deal with. And the Delta variant in particular, and I don't think we should be taking, you know, I, I, I find the UK policy bizarre that they could have come this far and done such a good job so well. And just now they just seem to be throwing that all out the window and saying we're just going to live with COVID. I mean, people talk in Sweden talked about living with COVID in the middle of 2020 and the rest of the world laughed at them. And they had a huge number of, of cases and deaths in Sweden. And effectively, that's what the UK is saying now. So I know that a number of the scientists in the UK are very, you know, are not very pleased and have advised the, the government there that what they're doing is, is, is not the right policy. OK, my thanks to you, Professor Kingston-Mills. Our panel is staying with us. And coming up, what next for live events after a trial music festival? Stay with us. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back. Well, I'm joined now by Cahill Malloy of the Wedding Bands Association and the wedding group Pink Champagne. And Cahill, weddings can have 50 guests attending, but you're still not happy. Tell us about the situation with live music at events such as weddings and, and where you're at with that. Yeah, thanks, Claire. Look, I mean, for over 12 months now, we've been running a, a bit of a campaign. And especially in the last two months, we ran a campaign called Left in the Dark. We don't seem to get any engagement uh, from people that are writing the guidelines for us to come on board to try and assist to see how we can find a way back to work safely. So, for example, on the 5th of July, uh, which was today, we moved to 50 guests that attend a wedding. Uh, 12 months ago, we wrote an extra set of measures. We sent them into the Minister for Health that we would adhere to going in, in, into an event. And we also commissioned all of our members to do COVID officer training courses. So we believe that we can go back to work safely. 50 guests can now attend a wedding. And I think that they can should have their band. I mean, their band and dancing is the spirit of any event. So 50 guests can have indoor dining at weddings. And we believe we, we should be given a date to return. Okay, so you had that meeting with Stephen Donnelly of July in July of last year, where you set out the measures that would help um, reopen your sector and get bands back in venues. What what came of that conversation? Did you hear anything since then? No, we we, we heard nothing. And if you look back at last July. Bands were allowed to perform, people were allowed to dance, people were allowed to go to weddings. You know, you had your entertainment. 12 months on, you can't have any, it's a no live, no dancing uh, music policy. Like, so we can see the issue around the vaccine certs, but we've been calling for antigen tests for weddings. We will commission our own members to do antigen tests. We're COVID officer trained. The PCR testing, we will do that. And, you know, obviously people who have recently recovered from COVID, all of these elements and tools should allow people have their band at their wedding. I mean, if you look at Northern Ireland, Falch Ireland continued this guideline. <clears throat> they published it there a few days ago. And on the same day, Falch or, or Northern Ireland have opened up. Live music is permitted. And as we're hearing from the Prime Minister of the UK today on the 19th of July, the whole country is going to open up. OK, well, my panel is still here with me, Fine Alan Farrell and Paul Murphy of People Before Profit. It's very difficult for sectors like that. We're hearing from Cahill. He spoke to the minister a year ago about this and still absolutely nothing. And they're left wondering, when will they get back to work? It's very difficult. It is very difficult. A lot has happened in 12 months, as I'm sure um, your viewers will, 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 uh, will accede to. Um, 
including Cahill, I, I think the development of the potential certificate that, that has been discussed and I think the rollout or the potential rollout of antigen testing um, for such events as is being trialled at the moment in terms of the mm. events that have been scheduled for, for later in the week would be a great exemplar and study for the likes of NEFA to ascertain whether it is safe for such events to I just continue. I want to ask about those events. So we have a number of pilot events and we yes. had um, the Kilmainham concert at the weekend, but you must have seen images from that. People were penned into certain sections. There was antigen testing. They weren't mixing. The crowd wasn't mixing at all. People were staying in their bubbles. What's the point of events like this? Well, I was that one myself, actually, Claire. I was at a League of Ireland football game between Shells and uh, Cavendish. Did you rub shoulders with other people? No, I didn't. No. Um, it was all very safe and socially distant, but it was, it was a fantastic. Is there a problem with that? No, I was going to say it was a fantastic experience for me personally as a, as a soccer fan to be back in the stands, as I'm mm. sure it is for a music fan to be back at a venue uh, and or for the likes of, of Cahill and his uh, colleagues in, in his sector. But is it getting Cahill any closer? I think it is. because I think, working again. I think it is because I think there'll be a great deal learned. I mean, we know that Professor uh, Mary Horgan is working uh, with an expert group to determine uh, the appropriate antigen tests to use and where to roll them out. And I think that's a really appropriate step for government to take, given that a lot of us have been calling for antigen testing to be used for such events for nearly a year now. OK, uh, Paul Murphy, antigen testing, uh, we are hearing that there's, there's a group working on it and they're considering options around using it in more settings, which has been called for by many groups. Is that something that you would... Uh, be in favour of? Yeah, I'd be in line with what Kingston Mills said earlier in terms that it seems to me from reading the various material I've read on it that for kind of large outdoor events they have a very important role to play. Um, they don't really work in terms of your indoor dining, hospitality, etc. Um, because of the non, kind of the less... Um, less accuracy compared to a PCR uh, test. And if you look at the countries they that will, are using... They will, in many cases, catch people when they're at their most infectious. Yeah, but sometimes they won't even catch those people. I mean, if you look at the countries that use antigen testing, look at Denmark. Denmark has a capacity to do half a million antigen tests a day. So it's like very widespread yeah. testing taking place. Just one key issue, though, I think we need to talk about in terms of reopening is ventilation. We're dealing with an airborne virus. We're a year and a half on and they have no legally mandated rules about ventilation in hospitality, in schools, etc. It's an absolutely crazy situation. What we should be saying is that every venue needs to have CO2 monitors and needs to have a level of CO2 and nothing, anything above that you can't open safely. And do you safely. think with CO2 monitoring and with proper ventilation guidelines in place that bands like Cahill should be allowed back performing to crowd, small crowds of 50 at a wedding at a small venue um, with, a, with a protected crowd, essentially, that it's very unfair for them. When you see sport, you're, you're talking about going to, a, going to a match and really enjoying it, and that's great for you. But for the industry, the entertainment industry, they feel like they've been left behind. No, no question that musicians, artists, taxi drivers, there's a whole group of workers who have been left behind. The main thing I'd say there is that they need to get full income supports so they're not affected by doing the public health there, measures that we need to do. Is there a higher value put on sport? Because we are seeing the return of, of more pilot events. We are seeing crowds of thousands. But Claire, they're the we, obvious ones. I mean, if you think about it, they're the large scale, large events that can be held in an outdoor environment where, where examinations can take place afterwards to determine how safe they were by the use of the likes of antigen mm. testing. Like the, the, the best analogy that I've heard in regard to the use of antigen testing for that 
that moment in time examination. To go back to the beginning of the show when we were talking about the, the individual who was on the Vox Pop who mentioned anxiety about what, you know returning to dining and things like that. If, if a, a snapshot in time is an antigen test, I would feel an awful lot more confident knowing that others around me, either in a, in a pub or at a wedding uh, or at a venue, have had a snapshot in time. And there's a reasonable chance that if that person is shredding, that the antigen test will pick it up. Nobody's saying that yeah. it's perfect, but it, it certainly will go to ease anxiety in the public. And I think that would be very helpful to, to Cahill and his colleagues well, in, in the context of examining those trial events. OK, Cahill, I want to ask you that. Do you think that will be helpful, what we're learning now about antigen testing at these pilot events that are taking place this summer? Or does this come a little late for you if you're only getting potentially back on the road yeah, much I later mean, on in it, the year? It, it, it's, it's never too late, but we, we've been calling for this antigen testing for so long, like many other various sectors. And I, I, I listened to Paul Murphy talk about the ventilation. There's a range of measures that should happen. It's not just one little tool. It's a range of measures of bringing them all together. And coming back to weddings, you know, the whole live entertainment sector is decimated. It's suppressed. And we feel now at this stage that the finger is being pointed at us. But in reality, weddings are unique events we know who is there you know the venue is open they're coming in it's an event organized by the couple and let's bring the couple into this as well claire some couples are on the phone and to our members and to me crying because they held out for july they're getting the 50 guests we just thought <laughs> if we move to 50 we're going to get some form of entertainment we're not even allowed to have a harpist in a lobby in a lobby area of a venue mm. The bands can get back and what we would call on government is to engage with us, bring us to the table, let us show you that we can do this and we are experienced. I've been doing this 22 years. We know how to control volume. We know all the issues. We know how to mitigate. We can keep our distance from the congregation. But antigen testing, if the vaccine search for something that's going to have to be pushed out, I don't know how that's going to work. I think there's a small take-up on it in Northern Ireland, 4,000 signatures, something like that. But it's the range of tools that, that need to be put in place to get us back to work. And, and that's it. OK, uh, the range of tools that need to be put in place, and there's so many things mentioned there that can all be part of that prevention against COVID. And there, there has been a sense, even when we're seeing about the hospitality plans on the table now, that we're a step behind when it comes to these things, that we could have been talking about ventilation, we could have been talking about COVID certs and being doubly vaccinated before you dine. But that conversation could have been had weeks ago and it was had weeks ago in, in other European countries and that's why they've reopened for things like indoor dining and hospitality now. So for, firstly, in relation to, to, to uh, safe environments, uh, particularly workplaces and a wedding venue is a workplace, let's, let's bear that in mind. There have been protocols in place since last, last year. They've been updated most recently. And I know Paul raised the issue of, of, of uh, ventilation with the Taunish, I think it was last week or the, the week before. Um, I, I don't accept that in the context of what we've been dealing with, um, with, the, with the emergence of a variant, with the events that occurred in November and December of last year, and the fact that we then entered into a six-month lockdown in the context of, of events like those that Cahill supports. Uh, I think it's very difficult for us to envisage going back to live events of any kind without a vaccination programme in place uh, with a very high rate of uptake, which we now have. So it is only now, really, that you can begin to have the conversation about what indoor events would look like, what really? indoor dining you, would look like. We could have talked about so ventilation we can, we can talk a year about, ago or more. We Come can, on. Paul, if you would, we can talk about 
um, all of the things that have happened over the past six months in particular in terms of the vaccine have we learned rollout. anything from it? I think we have, but you have to bear in mind. Well, so if you look at, if you look, in place? If you look at the international comparisons and you exclude the UK, we are different from the rest of the European Union because we have the Delta variant and most of the European oh, no, Union does not. Well, no, not, does not, the not to the variant. same extent. But also, Alan, if, if I could make not the point the about the Delta, could I, could I make the point about the Delta variant? Six, six weeks well. ago, six weeks ago, I was on this show. I was in the doll. People for profit were saying, we don't have much Delta here, but in Britain at that point in time, they had 70%. We need to do something about this to slow the spread. We said we need to bring in mandatory hotel quarantine for travellers from England, Scotland and Wales. The government did nothing about it. The reason we're in this crisis situation do you, now... Do you believe that should be in place now? Yes, although I think really it's... it's it's, it's not going to have the same effect it could have had. Delta is here and but is spreading and it's an going to be dominant. When, we, when, when we're looking at, at, at how Ireland is and, and our borders and the north and restrictions that are being eased there, that it's, it's very hard to do that to UK travellers and to people travelling to and from but the UK, if, that it's not going to be effective. But if, if we had done that, then we could have reopened. We could, obviously we can't, say definitively, but it is likely that we wouldn't have had the spread of, of Delta in this country. We could have reopened. We could have continued. No, but but to be fair, we could have taken action. But, but you know now that Delta is completely dominant or becoming completely dominant now. Yes. Six and weeks was, ago when, when, so when we, May, based early, on scientific early, advice, were warning, it May, wasn't the case. Early May, Neffet uh, de designated Delta as a variant of concern. Mm -hmm. So we have been talking about this for, for a couple of mm -hmm. months now. Um, but to talk about mandatory hotel quarantine, even six weeks ago in the context of the digital certificate and the levels of vaccinations across the European Union and in the UK is simply daft. Because it, July it, the 1st, five days ago, the rest of our European partners started flying around Europe. Now, we're doing it in another two or so weeks with are the digital certificate. Are we doing it in another two yes, or so we weeks? Yes. I want to ask you there about has that. Been it was no something, it was that, something that was mentioned at the start of the show about what's happening with the government advice on non-essential travel come July 19th, given the fears here yes. around the Delta variant? No, I can understand that. And, and of course, and I, I, my constituency has Dublin Airport, so I, I'm very attuned to the concerns of people in the sector. There are absolutely no signs whatever that we are changing from uh, July 19th as a so return to aviation. So you can book your flight and book your holiday. I, I, I would be confident in doing so. Uh, if if I were at home right now listening to this programme, it has been said so repeatedly by the Taoiseach, by the Taunish and by the Minister for Transport that yeah. the digital certificate will be up and running on, on the 19th and that a return mm. to aviation will occur then. But Neffet feel a bit differently, don't they? Well, Neffet's advice actually hasn't changed, but government's position has been that the digital certificate, as adopted by the EU Commission, uh, as worked out, uh, at a European summit that was held, will be introduced or was introduced, I should say, on July the first, and will be rolled out in Ireland uh, in in a couple of weeks. Okay, uh, I just want to go to. We're going to actually just move on to another matter now. I'm joined by CNN's Lucy Kavanaugh, who is live in Denver, Colorado, for us uh, tonight. And Lucy, I just want to get um, the the take from the U.S. and what's happening over there. President Biden uh, marking the national holiday. All of this happening in the middle of a pandemic. 
That's right, Claire. Uh, despite having missed its target to get at least one shot into 70% of uh, U.S. adults by July 4th, the White House spent this weekend celebrating, marking uh, the Independence Day holiday by inviting roughly 1,000 U.S. military personnel and essential workers to the South Lawn to mark the holiday, uh, touting progress in vaccinating just over 67% uh, of Americans as the more infectious Delta variant continues to spread across the country. President Biden telling the nation that the country is closer than ever to declaring its independence from the deadly virus. Claire? Um, how have reopening plans gone over there? Well, a lot of states have moved forward with their reopening plans. You see uh, mask mandates being dropped, restaurants are full, public events are happening. Again, that's something that we very much saw over the weekend with a lot of crowds gathering all across the nation to watch the fireworks, to participate in various parades. The problem that the U.S. is facing right now is this. You basically have most of the people who were going to get vaccinated get vaccinated. And so the struggle that the White House is dealing with right now is how to get the percentage of the country that's not vaccinated, how to encourage them to get the vaccine. Because health experts here in the U.S. have said all three vaccines that are available to Americans at the moment do a good job in protecting, uh, at, at least offering some level of protection against the Delta uh, variant of COVID-19. Those who are vaccinated don't necessarily have to worry. They can gather in crowds. They don't have to wear masks. But you do have this chunk of the population that isn't vaccinated. And those states, for example, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, Wyoming, Louisiana, they've seen very low vaccination rates. And so the challenge for the United States is how to get those people who are on the fence or maybe not planning to get the vaccine at all, how to get them to come forward and get vaccinated. Claire? Well, there's much talk about the Delta variant here, Lucy, and I'm just trying to get an idea of concerns over there about that variant of the virus and how authorities are acting on it. Authorities are certainly doing all of the right messaging. They're encouraging people to go and get vaccinated. But when you walk on the streets here in Colorado, in Denver, for example, you know, you don't see people wearing masks anymore. A lot of businesses have removed their mask mandates. You don't get the sense just anecdotally from being out and about that people are particularly worried about this Delta variant, the, the, this, this more infectious, more highly transmissible strain of COVID-19. And perhaps there's a sense of pandemic fatigue here, as well as other parts of the world. You know, we've been uh, in various stages of lockdown situations. People are tired of isolating. People want to get back to their normal lives. And that's really the challenge faced by U.S. health officials, how to get people who haven't been vaccinated yet to get vaccinated, because this is the, 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 the biggest tool that authorities have right now in containing the spread of that more contagious Delta variant. Okay, Lucy Kafanov of CNN, thank you for joining us tonight. And my thanks to Cahill Malloy, Alan Farrell and Paul Murphy. And coming up next, more analysis on America at the pandemic crossroads as it celebrates Independence Day. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, as you've heard, U.S. President Joe Biden has made a landmark speech to mark the 4th of July holiday in the United States. In the speech, the president celebrated progress against the virus, but acknowledged that hurdles still lie ahead in the pandemic. 
We all know powerful variants have emerged, like the Delta variant. But the best defense against these variants is to get vaccinated. <laughs> My fellow Americans, it's the most patriotic thing you can do. So please, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it. Do it now for yourself, for your loved ones, for your community, and for your country. Well, earlier I spoke to NUI Galway Law lecturer Larry Donnelly about his analysis of America's journey with the pandemic. Well, there are certainly pockets of the United States where the rates are, are very alarming uh, and the vaccine rates are still quite low. Uh, but if you look across the United States, they definitely have adopted a very much more bullish attitude than I think we see, uh, at least here in Ireland, about what people can and cannot do. Um, if I look at my own native Massachusetts, um, more than 60 percent of the total population uh, have been vaccinated. And, and by all accounts, Fourth uh, of July celebrations were as close to uh, the old normal uh, as one can recollect. And now, of course, there are huge challenges that remain. I think Joe Biden has signaled that the country will be living with coronavirus uh, for a while to come. Uh, but I think, by and large, uh, Americans are quite optimistic about the future uh, and what it might hold in store. Uh, and I think that that probably is down in large part to the, the rate of vaccinations. How is Joe Biden's presidency being assessed now, being looked at? He's months into the job uh, and he's had to deal with that pandemic and many other issues. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the most notable thing about the, the Biden presidency, I think people here in Ireland would recognize it, uh, is how much he has turned the temperature down. Uh, if, we if we look back a year ago uh, and over the past few years uh, and we look at the behavior of the American president, it was making news uh, every hour. Uh, depending on what he might tweet or say, and God knows what, what else. Uh, I think Joe Biden deliberately has turned the temperature down. But at the same time, uh, I think he's been very determined in his goals, in pursuit of his goals. Uh, I think that the, 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 the stimulus bill that he got through the uh, United States Congress, despite the, the division there, uh, is one such achievement. Um, what he's really working hard on now uh, is an infrastructure bill uh, and getting that through, the, the, the again, the Congress, which is very divided, and the labyrinthine rules of the United States Senate uh, make it quite difficult to do. But I would say to everyone watching, uh, anyone who's been in the United States in recent years will see uh, that the country's infrastructure is crumbling, uh, and it desperately needs to get done. Uh, and this is something that I think Republicans should come on board with, uh, especially because uh, grassroots Republicans uh, are very much in favor of these packages. Uh, it's something that I think would unite politicians uh, on both sides of the aisle and something I think that should be a winner. So it should be one of the things that could be done in a bipartisan way. Uh, so we'll see how that, that unfolds in the coming weeks and months. Outside of the U.S., that big decision to end the longest war, the war in Afghanistan, is that something that's been welcomed over there? I think it's something that will be very much welcomed. I mean, the dominant impulse in the United States is that they want uh, American soldiers brought home. And I, I don't blame most Americans because of uh, decades of failed wars that have had devastating consequences uh, around the world and within the United States. That having been said, uh, I don't think it should be underestimated what the potential fallout might be in Afghanistan. Uh, we see rollbacks in terms of women's rights. We see the role uh, of the Taliban potentially uh, coming back. Uh, so I think it's going to be very, very troubling. But that is put up against 
uh, that dominant impulse in the United States, which I should say bluntly, uh, is something of an isolationist impulse, something that comes uh, across Republicans and Democrats who say, we have an awful lot of things we need to worry about at home. Let's bring our troops back home and let's turn the focus back uh, onto the United States and let's stop trying to be uh, the world's policemen, especially when it has had so many devastating consequences for the world. Okay, Larry Donnelly, thank you for your analysis. Thanks for joining us tonight. And that is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast and our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. From all the late team here, good night and take care. is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.